Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to the Unplayable Podcast. Uh, Australia have just wrapped up their test series against South Africa. 2-0 they won that and now they've picked their test squad to go to India, uh, which will kick off early next month in February. Four tests against India in India, probably one of the hardest assignments. And coming up on this episode, uh, we will be speaking to Todd Murphy, the surprise bolter who's made his way into that squad. He's a Victorian spinner. And Jack Painter, who's going to be joining me in just a second, spoke to Todd uh, a few weeks ago about the potential of making this squad, and it's all turned out pretty well. So, Jack, welcome to this episode of the Unplayable Podcast. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Um, exciting times. It's a, it's a good-look squad, I think, for, for India, um, and the Australians are playing well, so it uh, should be an exciting series. So tell us about Todd Murphy. Like uh, a lot of our listeners would have heard the name but maybe not seen much of him play. He's only played a handful of first-class games for Victoria, but he's already impressed a lot of important people. Yeah, so he's only just come onto the scene really in the last 12 months. He didn't play his second first-class game until March 22, um, and you know, that was a, a big moment for him because he sort of won the game for Victoria, got them into the Shield final in there. In, the, in his second first-class match, and then a lot of things have kind of happened from there for him. So he went to Sri Lanka on the A tour, stayed around with the test squad, um, and then come back and, and impressed in the Shield comp and for the Prime Minister's eleven. So it's been a pretty rapid rise for him, but he's bowled the house down over the last 12 months, so um, thoroughly deserves selection. And I think they've got one uh, one eye to the future with this, this pick. He's a very similar bowler to Nathan Lyon, gets it up, um, high overspun deliveries, um, beats people in bounce and flight. So, uh, yeah, very similar to, to what we've already got in the test side. Yeah, and as you say, he's 22 years old, so definitely a look to the future with Nathan Lyon not getting any younger uh, and your chat with him, which is a great chat, so it's worth hanging around for. It's coming up after our little discussion here. I'm just going to run our listeners through that test squad, which has just been released on Wednesday morning. Uh, there's four spinners, Lyon, Murphy, uh, we've got Mitchell Swepson and Ashton Agar, who played in Sydney. Uh, just the one specialist keeper, Alex Carey. They've gone with Peter Hanscom as the backup, which means Josh Inglis is perhaps a little unlucky there. Five quicks, Pat Cummins, the captain, of course, Scott Boland, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood, and Lance Morris keeps his spot in the squad, the, the wild thing, who uh, we've featured on this podcast in recent times. And of course, the the top six as as we've come to get to know it in the test side: uh, Warner, Kawaja, Labuschagne, Smith, Head, and Green, and as well as uh, Matthew Renshaw and Peter Hanscom are those two backup batters. So it's an eighteen player squad, all bases covered, I guess you'd say. Uh, were there any other surprises uh, from your point of view, Jack? 
Uh, not so much a surprise, I think, because he's been around the squad for the entire summer. But Lance Morris, I guess, is another uncapped uh, talent in that squad. He's been really impressive in, in the Sheffield Shield as well. He's a leading wicket-taker with 27 so far this season through the first six rounds. And I guess there was talk about him playing in Sydney with Stark missing that match. So I guess the same will happen possibly in the first test in, in Nagpur on, on February 9, that he could potentially, if Australia see that they need an out-and-out raw you know, speed star that he can potentially come in and, and fill that void with Mitch Stark missing that first test through that tendon uh, finger injury that he suffered in Boxing Day. So that that's a potential option. Not so much a surprise, but um, I guess, uh, you know, he's been in and around the squad for the, the last two months. And then Matt Renshaw mm-hmm. and, and Pete Hanscom as the reserve batters, they've earned their way into that squad through weight of runs. Uh, Matty Renshaw played in Sydney, obviously. So they've been, you know... Uh, knocking the house down for the, for the last you know twelve months to two two years with their performances for their states, and so just to confirm, uh, Mitchell Stark is pretty much ruled out for that first test, isn't he? He's very unlikely to play. Yeah, that's right. It said in the in the release of the squad today that he won't join uh, the touring party until after that first test, so he'll stay back in Australia, continue that rehabilitation, and then go over hopefully for the second test and play a, a key role in that series. Now, which way do you reckon they'll go with the spinners? Because they've picked four in this squad and I was just looking at the stats uh, from Nagpur. There hasn't been a test there since 2017, but it's very spin-friendly in those recent test matches. So who's going to partner Nathan Lyon first up? If you had to make a guess, Mitchell Swepson took eight wickets in the two tests in Sri Lanka uh, in the middle of last year. He was pretty impressive. Uh, Ashton Agar played in that SCG test just last week. Didn't take a wicket, but... Maybe didn't have the best of opportunities. And then there's Todd Murphy, the bolter, who, as you said, is very similar to Nathan Lyons. So do they pick somebody who um, is a, a carbon copy, I guess you'd say? I'm glad you asked this question, Josh, because I'm a big Todd Murphy fan. Um, I'm being convinced by Kerry O'Keefe too when I was listening to him during the Sydney test. Uh, back, you know, 20 years ago in the glory days of Australian cricket, you know, Stuart McGill and Shane Warne both played in the same team, both turned it the same way, both the same bowler, leg spinners. So I was watching that line bowl last week, uh, turning it square into those South African batters. And I thought, you know, why can't you play both Murphy and, and Lyon? If you had Lyon or someone like that bowling from both ends, it would be incredibly tough for the batters to score. And I just was watching that spell of line bowling, I thought, you know, imagine having both of that um, or, you know, someone bowling like that from both ends. So uh, I would love to see him go with Murphy. Um, but I think probably Agar has foreshadowed that with the with the Sydney test by picking him there. They'll probably go with with Agar. And, and left-arm spinners have had a, a lot of success um, in India and also against Australia and for Australia. So you look at... Uh, Prabhat Jasaria during the Sri Lanka series, he came in and debuted and took 12 wickets and, and you know, bowled Australia out and bowled Sri Lanka to victory on debut. And then Steve O'Keefe played uh, for Australia on the last tour of India in 2017. Both he and Lyon took 19 wickets for the series. Uh, so I think, yeah, left-arm spin has been very successful in those conditions. So they're probably leaning that way with the selection of Agar last week in Sydney. Um, but I would love to see Murphy play. Hmm. It's an interesting point. And India themselves will probably play two left-arm spinners with Akshar Patel and mm. Ravindra Jadeja in their squad. So there could be a fair bit of left-armers going on. Personally, I'd love to see Swepson 
get another gig. I'm a big fan of the leg spinner. Uh, I think he's got some credits in the bank from that Sri Lanka tour. He just hasn't found the rhythm this Aussie summer, which has been a bit disappointing on his behalf, I would suppose. But, look, if you're on that squad, you're a chance. So um, good signs for him. What do you reckon about the um, decision to only pick uh, one specialist keeper with Hanscom as the backup? Yeah, it's an interesting decision. Uh, very stiff on Josh Inglis as well. He's been in and around that squad, uh, especially the test squad as well. He's been on the last two away tours. He's made his uh, ODI and, and T20 debuts in the last 12 months, so very stiff on him. I think probably with the reduction in um, travelling parties um, with the end of the pandemic has probably led to that because they could – if. Kerry went down, they could theoretically call up Inglis in between test matches. It would only be mm. uh, Hanscom as a substitute keeper for that match when Inglis couldn't get over. And they probably wanted to leave Inglis in Australia where he could play a bit of consistent cricket, uh, where he's been tearing up the big bash. Um, he also made a, an 80 for WA in the Marsh Cup, and then um, he'll be hoping to string a few red ball runs together after the big bash break. But, uh, yeah, I think probably – you wouldn't see Hanscom keeping a full test match, would you? You know, 200 overs in that heat uh, for a non-specialist keeper uh, would be a tough ask. So I think he would only be keeping if they needed a substitute if Kerry went down um, through injury or concussion or something like that. It's a good point on Inglis as well because he's just missed so much cricket being in these squads, both limited overs and test squads over the last 12 to 18 months. So... Good to get some cricket un- under his belt. And it's a good point on Hanscom as well because he's been reluctant to take the gloves in the Red Bull cricket, but he still takes the gloves for Victoria in the in the, the Marsh Cup more often than not. So he's not like he's out of practice necessarily. No, he's a very good keeper. He's probably – he's not really a, a part-time keeper, I would say. He's probably he's leaning more towards you know full-time specialist keeper role, but it's just that they've got another, another keeper in Sammy Harper at Victoria who's an exceptionally um, – good gloveman he's Hanscom's also a very good uh close to the wicket catcher he took I can't remember the exact figure I think it might have been 27 catches in the Sheffield Shield last year in a reduced season which was a record for the competition across you know, the so many years of, of the Sheffield Shield so he's an incredibly good catcher at slip um and that'll be an asset as well if he if he does play in the series Definitely. Now, Cameron Green, what's the latest on him? Because we know that Australia will probably prefer to have his ability to bowl overs and bat in that top six if it allows him to play that second spinner. Is he going to be right for the first test, the second test? What's his sort of timeline? It didn't give a definitive answer in the squad release, but it'll be touch and go for the first test. I think he'll be over there. Uh, His injury was considered a little less serious than Mitchell Stark's, uh, but... Uh, I think it's a bit of a race against time, so it might leave them short of that that quick bowling option or that third quick option that we did see in Sydney. So that could be a bit of a headache for Australia in selecting that first Test eleven. But uh, you know, fingers crossed, he pulls through and is able to play because he's such an asset to that team. So the locations that Australia will be playing is going to be Nagpur for the first Test, uh, Delhi for the second. Delhi also they haven't had a test there since 2017, so a bit of a drought breaker for the nation's capital as well. Dharmashala then up in the Himalayas. That might be the most pace-friendly of all the pitches, um, so it'll be interesting to see how the sides change as they head to the third test. And then the final test will be at Ahmedabad, which is the largest cricket ground in the world. Uh, England were famously knocked over in two days there, just uh, I think that was two years ago. So... 
a lot will happen at Ahmedabad. That'll that'll spin a lot uh, if history is any guide. And yeah, it, based on those um, grounds, it looks like spin is, of course, going to be a, a big factor. And Dharmasala is that uh, ground with the beautiful backdrop, isn't it? I think that's where Australia get their team photo taken every every tour. So. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be one to watch for sure. But, yeah, spin's going to play a key role throughout the, the series. And, and Pat Cummins mentioned it last week in, in his press conference at the end of the Sydney test that, you know, they're just going to wait until they get over there to see potentially what the makeup of the 11 is, whether it's, you know, on certain pitches, three three quicks, one, one spinner, the traditional sort of Australian 11, I guess, or whether it's two spinners or even three spinners. So, uh yeah, it'd be interesting to see which way they go, but you know, spin's going to play a huge role throughout the series. And we've seen in the last two tests in Pakistan and then in Sri Lanka that Australia weren't afraid to pick uh, two spinners and rely on you know the two quicks and Cameron Green to bowl the bulk of the uh, the pace overs. Well, it's definitely going to be one thing to consider for Australia because their only success in India in the last 50 years was in 2004 when they picked three quicks, even on pitches that were spinning a lot, uh, they went with McGrath, Gillespie and Kasparovic and had success. So with the quality of the current paces in this Aussie squad, it's certainly going to be something to consider, I reckon, because maybe you don't necessarily need to go spin heavy to win in India. Well, there is a theory that you pick your best bowlers, no matter what they bowl, whether they bowl spin or pace, you just pick your best bowlers and back them to do the job. So that could be another um, avenue for Australia because they've got you know three world-class quicks, and Nathan Lyon, who have each taken over 200 wickets uh, in their test career, the first ever attack to do that. So there's a lot of uh, they've had a lot of success, um, but this is the one place that Australia traditionally struggled to have its success. So um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I personally would pick two spinners because I love seeing two spinners play. But um, yeah, there is a there is a theory that you know you could go with you just your best bowlers. Well, maybe hoodoos are meant to be broken because Australia broke a hoodoo this summer when they knocked over South Africa at home. South Africa had beaten Australia in three consecutive test series in Australia, which is very hard to believe. But that run is now over. They won 2-0. They couldn't get a result in Sydney. There was just too much bad weather and bad light, uh, unfortunately, at the SCG. But it did mean that uh, we had some pretty good performances from the Australian side throughout that series. Kawaja, Head, Smith and Warner all got over 200 runs in the three tests. We saw a maiden test century from Alex Carey and all the bowlers really contributed as well. So, uh, look, for the a neutral supporter, you'd say a disappointing series because most of the matches were quite one-sided, although Brisbane could have potentially gone either way. However, as soon as Brisbane was done... Uh, the contest was really over, unfortunately. Uh, what were your main takeaways from the series, Jack? Was there anything that stood out for you? Uh, I think it's just how dominant Australia were, also how disappointing, uh, equally disappointing South Africa were. You know, there was big hype around the two pace attacks going head to head, but I think uh, Kahiso Rabada and uh, Nick Didi, um, you know, they, they really struggled. They didn't. Um, you know, it looked like they were um, sort of oh, a bit hard to a bit hard to say, but I, you know, it looked like they were they were down a, a little bit. You know, they weren't quite up there in terms of their pace, and, and they just were a bit inconsistent as well. So the you know, Australian batters really got on top of them after that Brisbane Test, which was favourable to the to the quick bowlers. We saw yeah you know, a lot of wickets in in uh, quick succession there. So 
but yeah, the Australian batters were dominant. It was a good summer for them. David Warner retu- returned to form, which was a welcome boost heading into India. Uh, runs to Alex Carey again. He finally uh, got that breakthrough century. Uh, Cameron Green as well with the ball in Melbourne. That was that was impressive. So mm. um, you know, a lot of positives to take away for for Australia and just you know how dominant they were and, and how much of a good side they're putting together. I guess stability has been a key in that as well. They've had the, the same side for, for you know ten or twelve matches now. So and Greeny with the bat in Melbourne as well was pretty good too, batting with that broken finger. Yeah, that's right. And you know, if you can bat with that finger, you know, he could potentially play a role um, in India. Like it, it seems like he was uncomfortable, but you know, still able to get the job done, wasn't he? Yeah, he sure was. He's certainly a star of that team already. Uh, now we're going to head over to your chat with Todd Murphy. Now, as we mentioned at the top, this uh, chat took place a few weeks ago. Um, So it was sort of a precursor to this potential squad selection and it's all turned out correctly. Jack, do you want to give us a throw to your chat with Todd? So here's our chat with Todd Murphy, Australia's newest Test squad member, just after he bowled Victoria to a day four victory against New South Wales uh, at the Junction Oval. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Todd Murphy, thanks for joining us on the Unplayable Podcast. You're seven games into your first class career, and there's already talk of you playing for Australia. What's that been like for you to experience? Um, yeah, it's happened quite fast, so it's sort of it's a hard one to answer because I don't really know like sort of where it's all come from. But um, I try and just block it out a little bit and just focus on playing cricket and enjoying that side of it. And um, yeah, it's obviously it's really nice to have that sort of stuff thrown about um, by people. But um, yeah, I think you can't read too much into it because there's still a lot to play out between now and then. You've had to fight for every match. You've had to play for Victoria as well. You've played in tandem with John Holland, and you're yet to lock down your place there. Is it a bit surreal being talked about to play for Australia? Yeah, it probably is, and you make a good point. Like I've, um, it's been tough for me to break into the Victorian side, so to sort of have that stuff thrown about about the Australian stuff, it's to me it seems a long way away. Um, but yeah, I think every game I've been able to play for Victoria with John has also been a massive benefit because you do get to fast track your learning, being out there with a guy like that. So I think that's helped me a lot as well. You've obviously had a bit to do with Nathan Lyon as well, with the Sixers and then with the Shield Hub in Adelaide two seasons ago. Can you talk us through those experiences and the influence he's had on you so far? Yeah, he's been so good to me. I think he's sort of he's taken a real interest in um, wanting to develop and help any way he can the next sort of generation of spinners coming through. So he's been, yeah, really good to me. He's sort of always said that he's, he's one message away or one phone call away if I need him and need to ask him anything. And then, yeah, the little parts I suppose I've had with him um, during trainings and, and that sort of stuff has just been sort of throwing ideas around and sort of just trying to get to know what he does best and how he thinks about the game and um, yeah, just ask as many questions as I can and try and just learn from that. 
So do you often text him or reach out to him during games or in between Shield matches? Oh, I try not to too much. I feel like if I'm doing that, I'm annoying him. But um, yeah, he always says that he's open. And if there's something I am struggling with or something I do really want to know um, urgently, then I would feel more than comfortable to send him a message. Is there a biggest message that you hold that he's given to you so far? Or is it just a combination of little tips here and there? He, so he always just speaks about um, developing a really consistent stock ball that you can believe in in any sort of situation and conditions. So for me, I'm still trying to find that, but that's sort of what I work um, hardest on at training and, and during games is try and find that um, confidence in the stock ball just to back that in every time. Is Nathan someone you've tried to model your game on? You've got a similar overspin and bounce the way you deliver the ball, or is there others that you've modelled your game on? Yeah, I think he's probably been the main one just because he's been so present, I suppose, on TV and um, been able to watch sort of how he's gone about it and what he does for the last sort of 10, 12 years. So, yeah, watching that sort of stuff and you obviously a lot of the analysis you do, sort of you go back to the best spinners in the world and um, he sits right up there. So, yeah, a lot of the stuff I think has come from him in the way I approach my bowling. But, um, yeah, I think there's still, like, we're not, I don't have a carbon copy action of him or anything like that. So um, there still are some differences there. You took up off-spin bowling five or six years ago. People talk about the rebirth of leg spin with Warney. Was it similar for you when you were working with Craig Howard to develop that and become an off-spinner? Did you see Nathan on a TV playing for Australia and see that as a resurgence of off-spin? Um, probably not so much from my point of view because I was obviously didn't really know much about it. But, yeah, maybe from Howie's point of view, he, sort of, he was able to um, watch a lot of the cricket and identify that what Nathan was doing is going to be really successful and effective anywhere he went in the world and um, I think he's seen a little bit of that in me and sort of yeah passed that message on that what I was doing was really um, worth sticking with so maybe more from his end than mine. It's all happened so quickly for you and there's obviously a massive career to come ahead for you hopefully. Have you had time to sit back and soak it all in? The Sri Lanka tour, the Prime Minister's 11 and the end of last season, have you had time to reflect on what you've done across those seven first-class matches and the 14 list A games that you've played? Um, not so much sit back and, I suppose, look back on, but I try and like, just really enjoy and embrace sort of the opportunities I've, I've been given. I think going to Sri Lanka, I just I um, sort of tried not to put any expectations on myself and just was really open to going over there and, and learning and enjoying the experience for what it is. And if I didn't play much cricket over there or I didn't do well, then I wasn't going to be too disappointed. I just really, I suppose, approached it with the way of going over there and just learn and, and try and get better. So... I think I've had that sort of going through my career so far is not to put too much expectation or pressure on myself and just try and enjoy the opportunities I've got and um, yeah, really enjoy that part of it. In terms of this season, you've established yourself in this Victorian squad now. Do you have any goals you've mapped out across the year? Or is it, as you've said, no expectations, take each week as it comes, each game and each opportunity? Yeah, no goals as such. I sort of, I think I spoke at the start of the year to myself and just sort of I really wanted to lock down a role within the Victorian side and, and be able to, to come in when I was needed and, and play a part and not just sort of be looked at as always a second spinner. Like I wanted to be able to come in and contribute to, um, to us winning games. So I think for me that was the biggest thing this year was trying to break into that red ball side and sort of be seen as a key part of it. You talk about not just being a second spinner. Is there a difference in your mindset and your preparation in terms of being the lead spinner as opposed to bowling in tandem with John or even Ash Agar in the Prime Minister's 11 match? Um, yeah, potentially. I think sometimes like, having two spinners out there can be, can be really good for your 
I suppose you don't put as much pressure on yourself and you know you've got another guy to be able to work with at the other end and sort of throw ideas around. So maybe it was like when you are the main spinner, you, you probably played up a little bit more yourself and, and think that there's more responsibility on you, but um, that's also yeah, a good responsibility to have because you know you can impact the game. Does it give you a sense of satisfaction that you're changing the narrative? It's always been in Australia, three quicks, one spinner, whereas now Victoria are preparing conditions to play two quicks, an all-rounder and two spinners. Does it feel like you're progressing the way people think about cricket teams in Australia? Yeah, I, sort of, I think so. I think it's, it's nice to sort of have in the Victorian setup that they have the confidence in me and John to, to back us in to play two spinners out here and sort of think that's our best way of winning games. So, yeah, for them to sort of um, have those ideas, I think, yeah, it does. It's really, yeah, really good for our confidence and know that they're backing you in to be the best man for the job out here. Let's talk about the major influence on your development so far. Craig Howard was one of those. Can you talk us through the discussion when he said, I think you should start bowling off spin? Were you receptive to that or did it take you a little bit of convincing? Yeah, it was, it was sort of pretty innocuous when it's happened. Like it was just at a net session and um, I think he sort of mentioned it to the head coach that like I was just bowling spin to sort of mucking around. And he said, I like, quite like what I've seen there. And then that sort of got relayed to me and I kept going like throughout that training session. And then from there, it sort of just developed. Um, I never really enjoyed bowling medium pace sort of at training. So... I kept tinkering with it and then, um, yeah, I think it was sort of, for me, it was like, why not? Why can't I do it? Sort of the medium pace was never going to take me anywhere. So, um, yeah, being open to changing and, um, yeah, really enjoying sort of learning about off-spin bowling um, and having Craig did a talk to it was awesome. So how long from that session where he mentioned that to the head coach to when you rolled it out in a game? Did you keep persisting with the mediums in games and work on the spin on the side or did you go head first? straight into it. Yeah, there was actually, there was a couple of games where I bowled medium pace for sort of my first spell um, in senior cricket back at Miami and then come back on sort of later in the day and, and bowl off spin. So it sort of just built from there, I think, and um, probably, yeah, soon realised that I was going to be more effective bowling off spin. So from there, it sort of grew. How long until you were getting picked as an off spinner for the Northern Rivers Pathways teams or even your club side? Yeah, I think I was still at that stage. I was planning most sides of the batter that could bowl a little bit. So um, it probably wasn't until I went to Sandhurst that um, while I was still batting um, quite high, I think that's probably where my off-spin took over and I had the year with Howie just to be able to totally work on it and sort of keep developing that um, continuity with the bowling. And then I think my results sort of that year um, were probably more based around my bowling and my batting. How often do you bowl with Craig now and, and see him? I think there was a few times last season where he came to Melbourne to work with you. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to get like the actual hands-on contact with each other when sort of we're travelling away and he's working as well with um, other things. He's got the New Zealand job now with the girls, but um, I think the beauty of like having Craig and like my relationship, I think, is the every time we do um, be able to work together, that there might be like one little thing that um, has sort of crept into my um, bowling that he can just identify really quickly, and um, from there that I know that helps me a lot. So yeah, we might. There's probably different stages where you work with each other a bit more than, than others, but um, yeah, every opportunity we get to work together, I think there's always a couple of sort of conversations that get thrown about and a few um, improvements can be made. Is that him watching Shield streams or you sending clips through to him from training or a bit of both? Yeah, definitely. I think like an example, like when I was up in Darwin playing cricket at the start of this year, like I'd sort of go down to um, the local ground on a Sunday and just get someone to stand behind me and film and I'd bowl and send some stuff back to him and just sort of see if there was anything he noticed and anything he thought worth mentioning and um, all that sort of stuff. And then he can um, sort of gives him a bit of time to look at it, analyse it, and then come back to me with what he thinks and um, what he thinks might work and that sort of stuff. 
You mentioned Darwin. You went there in 2019, then this year before the Australia A Tour as well. How crucial has that been in your development and having the option to play all year round? When I first went up there, was straight out of school and the opportunity just to get away from home and um, yeah, sort of go out, get out of my comfort zone and go up and play some cricket and just try and improve as a person and a player was, was so, so beneficial for me. And I think that built into my under-19 Australian year as well. So to have that continuity playing, um, I think, set me up really well for that year. Um, and then, yeah, the start of this year going up there and, and playing as well was sort of just thought to myself that last year I was playing like, in a lot of um, squads but wasn't playing a whole lot of cricket. So I wanted to go up there and just put an emphasis on playing games and trying to learn in games. And um, it actually, yeah, it worked out really well to be able to play cricket up there um, building into the Sri Lankan tour. Um, so the timing was really good then as well. You had to wait a year between your first and second first class games. What did that experience teach you? Yeah, it was um, it was challenging at times, I think, sort of, you can get a little bit impatient and you do, like you want to keep playing cricket, but um, it also probably gave me the opportunity just to keep working in the background without the pressure of expectation of playing and that sort of stuff. So um, it was awesome to get a taste of first class cricket really early in my sort of career. Um, but then to be yeah, to sort of be out of the side for a year and still be in the environment of training every day and that, um, yeah, it gave me time, I think, to improve my bowling and sort of how I wanted to approach it. And, um, and then when I did come back in, I felt more confident of being able to, yeah, take the next step and be a bit more successful. At St Kilda Cricket Club as well, you've got Pete Hanscom, Marcus Harris, Nick Maddinson. I guess you would always feel part of that Victorian environment, even at club cricket? Yeah, definitely. I think the beauty of St Kilda is there's there's always been sort of high profile people around. Um, when I first come to the club, Michael Beer was um, the captain there. So I've sort of, yeah, since I've been down in Melbourne, I've had access to those sort of guys and um, just, yeah, to be able to talk to them um, in the change room out in the field and just learn off them sort of guys. And Adam Crossway is another one that's been massive for me at St Kilda. Um, I played a lot of cricket there last year. So just to have the confidence from him um, and the belief in me, I think, yeah, helped a lot. Is there anything you've been particularly working on so far this season? Any variations? Tactically, you've talked about nailing your stock ball before. What's been the big focus for you this season? Yeah, I think you always sort of tinker with variations. Um, like a lot of the white ball cricket you play, you, you need variations. So I do always sort of tinker with that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think the biggest thing for me this year has sort of just been um, yeah, getting confidence out of what I want to own, which is my stock ball, and then just building consistency around that. And um, yeah, it's been really challenging for the batters to get away and um, sort of not let up on them. That straighter arm ball seems like a really effective weapon for you. You got Tim Ward out last year leaving the ball and then Kyle Mayer's LBW in the PM's 11 match. You might have got a bit lucky with that one. But how long has it taken you to perfect that ball that you can drift in with the arm? I'll give Howie the credit for that. I think when I first started bowling off spin, he sort of said to me that there's three balls you need. You need an, um, an overspinning off break. You need an arm ball that can swing back down the line. You need a square spinner. So, um, yeah, from that, they're probably the three balls that I've worked the most on. Um, and, yeah, I don't think you're ever going to master it. It's sort of one of those ones that you can always tinker with your pace a little bit and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's fun working on that sort of stuff. And um, to be able to deceive guys is always nice. To be able to swing it back down the line, you've only been bowling off spin for five years. That seems something that would take years to be able to roll out in a game. How quickly did you get the hang of it? Um... Yeah, I think there was there was definitely times early days where I really struggled with that um, concept of being able to yeah swing it down the line because I was sort of my wrist was kept reverting back to trying to spin it um, over itself. So there was definitely a lot of challenges there. But I think over the last sort of year or two, I've been able to um, yeah get consistent with that and have it come out how I want to have it come out. The Sri Lanka tour, 
was your first taste of an experience with an Australian senior side. You talked previously about how it gave you the confidence back here at the start of the season that you could compete at the first class level. How are you feeling since the Prime Minister's 11 experience and how's that impacted your confidence going into the back half of the summer? I think like getting access to that sort of stuff, um, playing against those high quality players um, in their conditions over there and then even the West Indies last week in Australia, like just being um, able to compete against those sort of guys, I think it just it does give you that added confidence that um, what you're doing and what you're working on is actually worth it. And um, yeah, I think it when you're standing at the top of your mark in shield cricket now, you've got that extra bit of confidence that you can do it. And you're not sort of doubting yourself, thinking how am I going to get these guys out? You've you've got a plan that you believe in, and um, and yeah, from there I think when you're confident, you sort of have that added presence out in the field, which can add a lot. Was there a moment where it shifted? for you from if I do this I might be okay to whereas now you're standing at the top of your mark saying if I execute my plan to perfection I'll be able to get these guys out? Um, I think it's sort of easy to tell yourself you can do it but it's probably not until you've actually done it in games that you do get that confidence so it's still something that's growing for me that um, I think the more cricket you play and the more I suppose success you have that that's going to build but um, yeah you, you always sort of have that um, in your back of your head that you can do it if you execute perfectly but the more times you do do it then the more confident you're always going to be standing there. You got six wickets on the Australia A Tour including the 4-4 in the first first class game. What was it like to bowl in those conditions that favoured spinners? Probably wasn't as dry as what the Test Series sort of seen over there but um, I think having that responsibility as a spinner to go over there and um, so that, you know it's your job to take wickets over there and and try and be the guy that um, that pushes forward the game was another really um, cool challenge for me to be a part of. And I mean, I think just getting access to those conditions, you just learn a lot quicker than sort of watching it. So um, you know that you're better equipped if you do go back there again. And you got to stay on with the test squad after the A tour. What was that taste like? And was there anyone you gravitated to? Was it Nathan Lyon again? Yeah, the three days I had added on the back of that was was awesome, just to sort of see inside the setup and how everyone sort of approaches a test match and um, sitting on a couple of the meetings and just learn about that side of the cricket was, was really good and um, I think yeah from, from the point of sort of um, having guys you sort of look to our in the nets was sort of still doing a lot of work with Johnny Holland talking to him and then always sort of watching and talking to Gaz as well and just trying to yeah see how he approaches it and um, speak to him about his plans in those sort of conditions over there just for me to be able to take away and, and just think about. So they were probably the main two guys while I was over there. Did you get to bowl to the senior Aussie guys like Steve Smith, Marnus, David Warner while you were there? I, I think I bowled to sort of everyone over there. So same thing, that's, that's another really cool experience as well. And you get a bit of feedback off those sort of guys. And um, if you bowl a ball, they think um, that's good. Like they'll, they'll give you feedback on that and what you've done well, what they think will work in those conditions. So. Being yeah, in that environment and just having access to those conversations I think was the best part of being over there. Had you bowled much to them before? No, not really at all, I don't think. So, the India tour in February, March, has your mind drifted to that at all? Yeah, I think it's more about Victorian setup because you also know that um, by owning that here then that sort of stuff takes care of itself. So, yeah, for me I just want to try and be really consistent um, at first class level and that other stuff, like, yes, I'm aware that it's there, but, um, yeah, I think to look too far ahead to that is a bit unrealistic. So, um, yeah, I just want to lock down the Victorian role and be able to, yeah, help us contribute to some wins. Is it a distraction at all, people talking about it, me asking you now? No, I don't I don't think so. I try not to read too much into it. And, but the, the hype around it is obviously um, really nice in some ways as well that people are talking about it because it means that I'm doing something right. But, yeah, for me, I just try and um, block that out and 
I know that's another new challenge for every first-class game you play. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to focus on that at the moment. That Tasmanian game at the junction, if you look back through your Crick Info profile, that was only 13 games ago. A lot has happened since then, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, as we mentioned before, that was sort of my first game in, in 12 months playing first-class cricket. So to be able to come in then and, um, yeah, do quite well in the game, um, yeah, from that I suppose it's, it's given me that platform to build off and um, a couple of really good opportunities have come from, from that game. So I look back really fondly on that. You got seven wickets in that game and the 24 not out to win the game for Victoria. Have you looked back at that game and how it set you up to where you've progressed to now? I think without that game, I don't get the opportunities I've sort of been given over the last six to eight months. So um, yeah, that was a massive, I suppose, starting point for me in my career. Um, so I do, yeah really grateful that I was able to do quite well in that game and um, yeah, it's opened up a few doors for me. Your batting in that game, does it come from your years of playing juniors as a batter or working hard on it within the Victorian setup? I think definitely a combination of both. Like I'd, early days with Dad, like I took a lot of pride in batting and that's sort of what I see myself as. So I um, always sort of try and keep tinkering with that and then as the bowling's taken over, that probably takes a bit more of a back seat but um, I think we always get sort of drawn into us now that um, batting from a tail ender point of view is always going to be really, really crucial. So you've got to keep working hard at it and you want to be able to contribute to sides either setting up the game or being able to win the game. So, yeah, I think for me and Pez to be able to go out there and, and do that and put on a partnership on day four um, was something yeah, really good and good reward for hard work that the boys do put into their batting. Going into that game, how far out did you know that you were playing and that they were going to prepare spinning conditions? Yeah, probably. Like, I knew there was definitely a thought, but it probably wasn't until the day before that I knew that I was officially playing, um, which is probably nice in a way. I didn't have too much time to think about it, so I just went out there and was able just to play and, um, and just do what I do and, um, yeah, hope that that worked out. We're in the big bash break now. You were actually subbed out of your BBL debut that must have been an odd experience yeah it was a weird one but it was sort of also something that I like expected that was going to happen because um, Shadab was there um, was awaiting a COVID result so there was just a lot of weird things going on in the background um, and I think the original plan was if we did play and bowled first I would have bowled and over in the power play and then come out anyway so um, even though it was a bit weird and not ideal I sort of was expecting it so it didn't um, yeah take me too unexpectedly. You then had to wait another 14 days for your first bowl in the BBL and then your first wicket was state and club teammate Nick Madison. Did you get stuck into him at all? <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Like To be a part of the BBL, um, it's sort of something you'd always look at and you go, I really want to be a part of that. And um, You see other guys sort of from the Victorian squad being a part of it and get a bit jealous when you're sort of sitting at home over the summer break. So yeah, to go up to Sydney and um, yeah, get the opportunity to play and then play against the Renegades boys, which I obviously knew really well, and to get Maddo out first was really nice, but yeah, I definitely won't get stuck into him because I'm sure he'll have very, many battles where he'll get a hold of me. You were a replacement player last year. This year, they've got you on a full contract. That must be nice that the Sixers see you as part of their future plans. The feedback from last year was all really positive, so to have them yeah, be keen on putting some confidence in me and, and bringing me back there for the next two years was awesome. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the, for the six weeks up there. It's a great time of the year, and. Yeah, I haven't played a hell of a lot of T20 cricket, so the opportunity just to go out there and learn again and try and develop that side of my game, um, yeah, I think it's going to be really beneficial for me going forward. And there might be an opportunity to play with Lyon at the back end of the season. Have you played with him before? And how much would you be looking forward to that? Yeah, I've never played a game with him, and I think if that did happen, um, it would be awesome. I'd obviously walk out there and love every minute of it. But, yeah, to the, the have access to him um, and even Stephen O'Keefe for sort of the whole 
BBL like access to those guys that have been so successful and have a wealth of knowledge um, about the craft of off-spin was so good and that was probably part of the reason I think I took so much out of last year up in Sydney. It wasn't just the opportunities to play, it was sort of just to be around those sort of guys and, and talk to them about it and just learn how they do it. Where do you see your strength at the moment? White ball, red ball, both? Is there a preference to either one? Um, I think with the way it sort of played out over the last few years with a lot of COVID stuff that I've had access to a lot more white ball games. So. Maybe at the moment um, I'm a bit more yeah, confident in what I want to do in white ball cricket, but I think every first-class game I'm playing that I'm sort of understanding the ebbs and flows of four-day cricket and how that sort of plays out. So that's I want to be a red ball player and that's sort of what I see myself as. So yeah, to be able to build on that every game I play I think has been really good, but at the moment maybe just white ball. Todd, thanks for joining us and all the best for the rest of the summer. No worries. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.